Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary over a many quaint and curious volume of all but forgotten lore, as it were, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping as someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muzzled. Tapping at my chamber door. Only this. And nothing more. But then I realized the tap, tap, tapping was my spoon against an empty bowl of pudding. <laughs> yes! I distinctly remember that bleak December when all I did was sit in the back room and read Poe, write poetry, and eat the finest puddings Salisbury had to offer. And it was so then, as I gazed out the window, that I said, yes, there must be a forum. There must be a forum for me and my mates where we can come together and explore the deep reaches of pudding and all things that make this pudding great. For I knew I was not alone in my tweed sport coat sitting in the pudding chamber in the halls of pudding yet to be built. Before I began the Pudding Studies Department at Cambridge, there was just an idea. Just a rapping, a tapping on my chamber door, a tap, tap, tapping with my spoon on the side of a bowl. Previously filled and yet to be filled again. With something so delicious, so creamy. So thought-inspiring that I must open my window, gaze into the meadow, and say, Hereforth shall be Pudding Masters! Yes! Welcome back, friends, to the Pudding Masters. Here, in the pudding chamber, in the halls of pudding, and I, as it were, am Gerald Blancmange. Here for a second installment of Pudding Masters. We've received such glorious feedback and celebration and community and fraternity and sorority with our love and passion for a tradition passed down through the centuries from the mountains to the valleys to the dairy farms to the cornfields to the chocolatiers of yore and to the butterscotch churners of today and it was with that love and respect that we bring forth yet another hearty discussion. <laughs> we are hearty and very funny, I might add. 
in our discussion. And of course, I could not have taken this journey, this journey of taste, this journey of creaminess, to swim up in, swim upon and in, with my elbows deep in my passion and my knees deep in a pillow on the floor as I kneel and commune with you. It put in master. And as always, my loyal brethren who shares the other yin to my yang as my classic pudding studies fit his modern pudding studies. We complete each other in a heterosexual manner as we smoke our pipes and polish our spoons and take a deep dip in the ever-evolving worlds of pudding. Professor McGuire, are you there? Please join us in the pudding chamber. For you are always welcome. Friends Blancmange, I take notes when I listen to you speak, always have. It went the same with your father when he spoke so eloquently on the journey of deliciousness that you so perfectly described at the opening of this program. I appreciate your time so very much. And listeners, thank you. I wish to echo the words of Gerald Blanc Mange. The feedback, the response has been incredible. Mr. Blanc Mange, Sir. May, I give you, may I give you a personal aside on our previous episode? Your feedback is always encouraged and respected, and we shall share it right here. I have spent the days since cooking pudding, eating pudding, instructing my undergraduate assistants in the art of pudding. And I have received the most glorious feedback. I have been, I don't know the word, I have been inundated Uh, with offers with offers from some very high-ranking universities across the United States ever since we last spoke on Pudding Masters. It seems a fortnight ago at least. And my opportunities to share the world, the thinking, the logic of Pudding will be greatly and indefinitely passed on from generation to generation at some of the finest colleges and universities in the United States. I have a schedule filled for three years of bookings. Half semester, half semesters. I wish to stay perhaps at Harvard for a year. We shall see. The University of Washington. Uh, Home of the Huskies, I believe. Very might be. I do not know if they are Huskies, but I assume they're students. The idea that I have a chance to go out west and share the magic, the joy, and the journey of deliciousness from pudding, it's been warming to my heart. 
satisfying to my soul and it further solidifies my joy and my belief in pudding masters in pudding and mm. the youth of america will be well served in the future very well may be saved simply by your words your actions your pudding and mine i'm eternally grateful to the opportunity to be here to speak again about our favorite subject thank you thank you very much flumadiddle panacotta junket sticky toffee tapioca it's an entire world and pudding made mean something different to someone in Salisbury and someone and pudding may mean something different to someone in Washington and that is the glory of it all as we tap our collective spoons against our empty bowls and fill them together in fellowship and pudding indeed and that is what brings us here today indeed and so we've we've set out on our journey and as we all know the hardest part of the journey is the first step i believe there's many quotes about the longest journey says it takes one step and i believe frodo baggins said if you let the wind sweep under your wings you'll end up in a bowl full of pudding (laughs) 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 yes so professor mcguire is indeed great to be here you know we've sat around in our tweed jackets with patches on the elbows as if we were J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis themselves at another pretentious English school 60, 70 years ago. And I'm sure that they sat around and when they were smoking their pipes. I'm sure they indulged in pudding. And it would be, wouldn't it be great if somebody went through the records of those two astute, austere authors classic classic authors and found out ah they kept a secret diary as the original pudding masters because i feel professor mcguire that we we cannot be the first we cannot be the first to go down this road but hey if we are the first to go down this road officially let us go down with joy with chocolate with suet, cornstarch, eggs, milk, what have you. We'll go down there. So, today, Professor McGuire, I've, I've looked through your syllabus many times, as we know, and it did seem that something you like to teach early in the semester, and something that needs to just be gotten out of the way and deeper discussions of pudding is its very close relative, custard. Yes, custard. Yes. Many people think custard might just be another name for what Americans know as their sweet, creamy pudding. But then again, maybe it's something that they stuff into donuts. 
Would a, would, would a proper Englishman be caught dead eating a donut full of custard? I don't know. Professor Maguire, the conundrum of custard, please. The earliest variations of what we now call modern pudding certainly were custard. Custard has been prepared for time immortal, time eternal, since the beginning of time. It has been used with meat, it has been used with fruit and spices, and on certain religious holidays, vegetables. And custard would not be a foreign thing to our fellow Americans if it were not for early industrial revolution science when corn that simple and prolific crop in North America corn was made into a product called corn starch and since the advent of modern times corn starch has always been the thickening agent that changed the world for thousands of years custard was prepared with eggs as a thickening agent since 1820 here in america we use corn starch as the thickening agent there are some key uses there are some key differences mr blancmanche and what might those differences be pudding must be made on a stove top it must be well then what is all this instant pudding business it is a bastardization of a process known as progress and we have in our last episode broken down the differences the tastes the textures of instant pudding versus a homemade pudding versus a store-bought cook and serve pudding we stay true mr blancmanche whereas custard can be prepared on a stovetop yet custard with its deep and rich and delicious history can also be baked into an oven into a variety of different things and it being summer i wish to call out possibly a change to my upcoming syllabus where pudding versus custard might become pudding versus custard versus frozen custard on the beach on the boardwalk in the summertime and it occurs to me on pudding masters that we should stay true and speak of butterscotch rice vanilla bean and all the different puddings Ah, yes, the roots. And it's often said, and I believe you begin one of your early lectures saying, yes, 
Children, listen. I know that all of you will walk into this very hall knowing that you were raised on instant pudding, knowing that you and your dear mother took an envelope of cornstarch and fake flavoring, threw it in a bowl, two cups of milk, as it were, and you stirred it with a knife, or you stirred it with a fork, or you stirred it with a spoon, or if you were from the right side of town, you used a whisk. But as you say, Professor McGuire, you said you might walk in here enjoying instant pudding, but you will not walk out of here without insisting upon cooking pudding on the stove top. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Professor McGuire on pudding. Professor McGuire on custard. Such a great place to start. So, Professor McGuire, it begs a question. Shall we take one or the other? Can we live with both? I mean, should we just call certain things custard and leave it at that? But you know what? I mean, I am a man of butterscotch. And we all know this. I've been on the butterscotch train for a long time. Would you tell me that this is butterscotch custard that I'm having for breakfast in my study? Or would you tell me it was butterscotch pudding? And why? What would be the difference? Very simply, as we have said, the thickening agents, the preparation to make the shape the texture, the tactile function of pudding is the lack of egg. The interesting thing, and of course the cornstarch in the pudding, the most interesting thing and the contradiction is simply this. To make the proper butterscotch pudding requires both the best of both worlds, Mr. Blancpange. It requires the cornstarch, but it also requires the egg. As such, and we speak of this a little later in, in my seminars, the humble butterscotch pudding is, without question, king pudding. And I feel firmly about that. Wow. I feel very firmly about that. You may direct your cards and letters. I don't know where. Just direct them somewhere. There is a, I'm sure there is some type on uh, the presentation on where to direct these things. I do not do computers. I have graduated and undergraduate assistants to do that. But the fact remains, butterscotch pudding. As it were. Indeed is king of all pudding and by default king of all custard you cannot say that about another product it is not vanilla it is not bread pudding it is not anything other than the best of all worlds and it is delicious i've had my prepared 
for my dinner this evening. Mmm, dinner. The undergraduate assistants have the job of cooking and cleaning and bringing me feedback and assorted notations that have come back to me and my office since our last program. And butterscotch is, quite frankly, half finished. And I will finish the other half at the end of this program. Uh, there's no butterscotch. Yes, it there's no better joy than leaving the room and doing something for a little while and then coming back and remembering, oh, it seems I have a half a bowl of butterscotch pudding here that I didn't finish before. What a delight. What a surprise. What a nightcap. Fabulous. King Fabulous. of all puddings. Yeah. And your, and your opinion on butterscotch, Blancmange? Uh, as, long, as long as I can remember, Professor Maguire, there's been butterscotch in my life. And I remember the first time my grandmother, on my mother's side, brought forth some brown sugar, which I had always enjoyed. Ah, yes, brown sugar. Might I sprinkle some on some toast with a nice sweet butter? And she said, of course. And one morning I said, Grandmother. She said, yes, Gerald. I said, what of this butterscotch? What of this brown sugar? Is there other things we could do with it? And she said, well, it just so happens... I have a bit of molasses left over from brunch with the ladies yesterday. I said, oh, molasses. Is that that thing in the jar over there? Because I'd never heard of it. As, you know, as a child, I, it would, we didn't have molasses. So we didn't live in, in Tennessee. <laughs> but it seems my grandmother had taken a trip to Tennessee. There they had molasses. Well, molasses... When combined with brown sugar, mm, creates this something that it fights off the crystallization. And then maybe a little cream of tartar here. Something like that. She said, oh, well, if you do that, you might end up with caramel. <laughs> now you come to a crossroads, you go down one road and you have caramel. You go down the other road, you have butterscotch. Hmm. And I said, oh, well, caramel is something nice. I've had caramel candies before for Christmas. My stocking used to get caramels. And she said, yes, well, caramel is something different than butterscotch. At that point, I was thoroughly confused. I did not know what she was doing. But she proceeded to cook something on the stove, and out came butterscotch. <laughs> and the rest is history, as they say, Professor Maguire, and uh, most of it you've taught. So, there we were. Mr. Blancmange, Mr. Blancmange, the experimentation in your grandmother's kitchen is quite extraordinary. Again, we use what we have in the kitchen. There are times where that is all we can do. 
but with milk, with cream, heavy cream, with your egg yolk, with your cornstarch, brown sugar, Mr. Mount Blanc, in my house, a touch of salt, a bit of butter, and a splash of bourbon was the butterscotch pudding of my youth. There were times that I can recall getting up from the table, feeling a little less than coordinated, shall I say. I said to Papa and Mama, good night. I feel tired. <laughs> they laughed. <laughs> ah, yes, that's quite a yawn. Quite a yawn. I can hear the laugh. Until I was 16 and in the kitchen, and Grandma said, Maguire? Yeah. Fetch me my cookbook. Mm. And I did. You were quite the and cookbook since, fetcher then. Uh, I was tall. I still am tall. I also changed many light bulbs. So I could reach, you see. <laughs> how, many, how many cookbook. modern pudding professors does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> Two. One to turn the light bulb, one to stir the pudding. Pudding Master! Yes! High speed comedy we have like that on every episode, hopefully. Pudding Masters, and now I Very humorous, very humorous. Indeed. It's great to have you here. But, Professor McGuire, I, I believe now we're going to go to a very special section of our show today. And we're going to explore something very near and dear to our hearts. Something that goes along very well with pudding. I should say hand in hand. It's something if you can make a good pudding... As my grandfather said, boy, if you can make a good pudding, you can write a good limerick. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, Professor McGuire and I will share this week's limerick. Because we we write limericks all the time. And I mean, what would you expect from a couple pudding masters like ourselves? So, Professor McGuire... Would you care to go first with your limerick for this week's Pudding Masters? A story about pudding in history. No surprise, no mystery. The professor said, pudding is so fine. Blancmange says, custard is all mine. They both left the debate. Victory. <laughs> once more, once more, once more, once more. A story about putting in history. 
No surprise, no mystery. The professor said pudding is so nice. Blancmange said custard or no dice. And they both left the debate claiming victory. <laughs> ah, nothing goes with a bowl of pudding like a limerick. Mr. Blancmange? Sir. Having, having, having just read that aloud, I have a, an edit that I would like to say now on this program, Putting Masters, and I will update the Wikipedia pages to reflect the change in this limerick. I am so inspired by this program that I'm editing myself live and on Pudding Masters. May I do that right now and offer a variation and perhaps a brand new limerick. But of course, a version two, a, a coda as it were, of Professor McGuire's Pudding Limerick of the Week. A story about pudding and history. No surprise, no mystery. The professor said chocolate pudding is so nice. Blancmange said butterscotch or no dice. And they both left the conversation plain big. <laughs> Version A and version B for Professor Maguire. Limericks for everyone on putting masters. Is it true, General Blancmange, that you too have taken the time to compose a limerick for this program? We shall. As long as we are putting masters, we shall bring limericks to every episode of Putting Masters. And of course... This week I have a pudding limerick that I would love to share if you will allow such please, an insult please. to the notable form of the limerick. Okay, here I go. My first pudding limerick for Pudding Masters. There once was a lady from Kent who went to Bathiston to chat up a gent. She ate all his pudding, then lost all her footing, and down Salisbury Hill she done went. <laughs> oh, I love limericks. And they seem funnier when they're your own. And yes, of course I wrote that. And of course, Bravo. Professor McGuire wrote that. Bravo. Once more for the kids, perhaps? Once more? Please, indulge us. There once was a lady from Kent who went to Bathiston to chat up a gent. She ate all this pudding, then lost all the footing, and down Salisbury Hill she done went. <laughs> oh, I get... I, get, I can't describe I can't decide Professor McGuire who gives me what gives me more pleasure and luckily I don't have to is it pudding or is it a limerick luckily they go together mm. 
bit of good fortune for everyone. That aside from our considerations, our time on pudding, our efforts to share the word of pudding, that we both have the joyfulness, remember pudding within the various limericks that we compose in our day in and day out lives. Fabulous, in my opinion. Very light of heart. I trust everyone enjoyed that. Blanc Mange. My undergraduate assistants brought me sheets of paper along with my meal with butterscotch pudding for dessert. Oh, yes, but first, I, I would like to remind everybody that Pudding Masters Limerick Corner and the larger Pudding Masters in general is brought to you by Uncle Dave's Tain Cream for all your Tain Cream needs and, of course, by Aunt Cludy's Personal Pudding Place, a place where all pudding lovers can come together and enjoy pudding. And now back to the show. Once again, Gerald Montmore, Aunt Cludy, one of my early students, makes perhaps the best pudding I've ever tasted. And everyone, everyone, I mean, you're enjoying this program you're enjoying your pudding, should reach out and pay a visit this summer to Aunt Cludy's for pudding. Mmm, the best pudding. And the best aunt somebody could ask for. Aunt Cludy. Named after a pudding herself. Indeed. Indeed. A fine pudding. Mr. Blancmange. Sir. Before my undergraduate assistants brought my dinner, brought my butterscotch pudding, mm. they also brought, I believe this would be commentary and or feedback from our first program. Really? And they, yes. We have feedback. Very busy. We've been very busy. Well, and it seems your staff has been harder at work than mine. I am a pudding master. I am Professor McGuire. I ask, I do not tell, and I have the best undergraduate interns and assistants. I will be glad to send one or two over to help the staff of Mr. Blancmange just say the word. Word. Understood. They will be on their way. Now, the graduate assistants and undergraduate assistants, I believe they use a thing called Insta. Insta. And they might use a thing called TikTok Goes the Clock. I'm unfamiliar. And there's another thing I believe they wrote down here, Twitter. I do not use them. I've heard of it. Bye. And there have been messages again to me, and I have a few highlights. And 
I have not read them. They've been sitting under my butterscotch pudding. And I would like to read them to you and the Pudding Master audience in hopes that they bring a bit of humor, perhaps a bit of self-exploration and insights into 2021 and the psyche of our modern pudding lovers. May I read one from you right now? Of course. This comes from the Spook Savant. It says, this note was sent in a video message and it reads, on days that I don't have chocolate pudding, I think I'm a little bit less myself. But on the days that I have chocolate pudding, I am 100% myself. I know it. I know it. It's just in me. Well, thank you, Spooky Savant. I am sure you quite enjoyed our first episode in the discussion of chocolate pudding. It sounds like Bravo. he's a young pudding master in training, if it were. Perhaps, uh, perhaps I will make a notation. Excuse me, notation. For our assistant, or my assistant, rather, to invite the savant to sit in on our lectures at no cost. He could audit your class for free if he's a pudding master in training. Indeed. Indeed. I have a, a second bit of contact about our program last week. Gerald Montmange. Sir. Indeed. This Continue. Comes from, this comes from Kelly, who lives in Maine. She writes, Oh my! I'm at a loss for words. The podcast was humorous, creative, and in-depth. Professor McGuire, what is a spotted dick in the pudding category? <laughs> Kelly from Maine, I believe that question would be best answered by Mr. Blancmange. Mr. Blancmange. That's me. Yes, sir. What is, what is a spotted dick well, in the pudding category? Please, is, this is for Kelly from Maine. As we all know, spotted dick means something different in certain contexts. <laughs> but that, yeah, it's also known as, you know, railway cake or spotted dog. It's uh, historically made with suet dried fruit, which means it's a fatty cake, almost like a fruit cake. And the spotted part, you know, you can have a spotted dick with custard, as it were. And uh, usually the spots come from currants, or raisins, or something of the like. There you go. Spotted dick. Ask for it your nearest English countryside tea spot. Or Anne Cludy's personal pudding place. Kelly from Maine. Couldn't have said it better myself. May I, Mr. Blancmange? There is more. We must have had a very good time. 
May I read one or two more from you? Well, well I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered, but you're making me blush with all this feedback. One more. One more. One more. One more, please. And this is from a person named Not Your Nanny. Oh, I miss my nanny. I just wanted five minutes to eat my pudding and finish the podcast. So I sent the kids in the other room to look for a toy that was in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Any excuse for more pudding is a good excuse. Thank you for the feedback there, young lady. There is... There is one more. May I? A veritable mailbag, as it were. The mailbag is open. I am to understand that this is how they did they describe the best of the best. So I appreciate the work and considerations for all the undergraduate interns. And this seems more a personal note. It reads, Professor, enjoy the butterscotch pudding we brought you with your dinner. Mm. It's butterscotch. It's homemade. It's delicious. Professor McGuire, and on that note, with all of this glory, I think we will bring to an end yet another stellar episode of Pudding Masters where we've done a lot of good things and we've said a lot of wonderful things and we've delved farther into understanding Pudding's effect on the world and how if we just look over the edge of our bowls we shall find that it is Pudding that is the glue of the universe. Professor McGuire, thank you very much for your insight, your astute prognostications, your limericks, your feedback, and we look forward to more on Pudding Masters here today and tomorrow and so on down the way. I'm Gerald Montblanc. And for you, we've given this episode of 